Get Lit. Welcome to Get a Little Lit, the miniature literary podcast where we discuss the famous rabbit holes that we have gone down on this podcast, little tidbits, little snippets of information that might not be enough for an entire Get Lit episode, but ones that we want to pursue nonetheless. I am your host, Steph Svars, joined here with my co-host... John Stricker, who is so excited that there's an outlet for all the crazy weird things that we find that we save you from in our main episode. Yeah, so if this sort of thing doesn't necessarily interest you, you can go ahead and skip ahead to our bigger episode. Um, But we figured that this would be kind of a fun way to build out the podcast with literary adjacent things um, and directly related to various elements of literature that aren't necessarily complete and full author episodes. Um, Although this first Get a Little Lit is going to be about an author, Um, and I'm going to introduce her by a few names that she has first. One is the Madonna of the Chickens. The other is the Chicken Lady of Massachusetts. Those feel so radically different to me. One is reverent and the other sounds crazy, so I'm really excited to see where you're going here, Stephanie. Yes, it's D all of the above. And she is indeed an author. um, And I'm really excited to get our listeners in on who she is. So without further ado, here is our very first Get a Little Lit. Nancy Luce was born at her home in West Tisbury, which is on Martha's Vineyard Island on the east coast of the United States, uh, just off the coast of Massachusetts on August 23rd. So her birthday is actually coming up. 1814. Um, She is the only child of Philip Luce and Anne Monter. I think this explains a lot. What? She's an only child born on an island off the coast. That's rude. She is a Leo. She is unfortunately not featured on FamousBirthdays.com, but that's okay. I think she sort of transcends the the reputation. Um, her parents had their own farm, and she was born into relative wealth for being uh, born at the time. Um, and she unfortunately contracted an illness that was likely Lyme disease, not an exact diagnosis, because again, this is 1814. Um, But as a young person, and that kind of that had a huge impact on her upbringing, what she was able to do. So she was about, I think, 12 or 13 when this happened. Um, And prior to this, she was a very big helper on the farm. She rode horses to help correspond with her family and run the family business. Um, but then after she gets Lyme disease, she really kind of struggles and is, is forced to stay closer to the farm. Mm-hmm. When she was 27, um, her mother had died, and by 31, her father had died. So although not a super young person like some of our authors are, she definitely loses her parents pretty early on, especially for being an only child. Right. At this point is by herself, but she has the family farm and the animals, which she considered to be her closest friends. And she started to treat them as such. So she actually stopped riding horses because that was using the horses as burden. Um, And she embraced animals in all shapes and forms. And one of her very closest animal friends was a three-legged cow named Red Cannon. I want to know the origin story of that name 
But I just love that those two things are together, Stephanie. Yes. I Unfortunately, I don't know the history of Red Cannon's name, but maybe we can invent our own conspiracy theory about how he got it. I think it must have been the cause of the missing leg. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, we are post-Civil War at this point, so just saying. There you go. All right. So um, this is where things get bad. So obviously her parents dying is bad. But after her parents die, her neighbors try to steal her inherited property. And despite the fact that she legally wins the case in court, the entire community turned against her. What? I know. That's like... Everything I have, my, you know what, I'm going to reserve my judgment for at the end of this sort of small piece. But um, she, as a result, was sort of stuck on this farm by herself with only the animals for company since her community was not welcoming of her. And she then was completely devoted to their well-being. And the way that she supported and funded, because she obviously can't run a farm by herself, was to open a shop on the grounds of her farm and she sells tobacco which was a very important uh i guess trade item at that time and chickens eggs and her own books of poetry um she got the things that she needed by trading knitted socks that she made so she would trade these knitted socks for tobacco that she would then turn around and sell in her shop and um she wrote books about all of her chickens specifically Stephanie, none of this seems real. Oh, it is. She's she is literally a fairy tale. So there is literally a woman who is knitting socks <laughs> to trade for tobacco so that she can then spend her days writing books about her chickens. Do you want to hear the chickens' names? I do. Very good. So here are some of the chickens' names. She had many. Um, there was a chicken called Tuna, like T O O N A, not like the fish. Um, a chicken called Adi Ofedo, Beauty Linnea, and my personal favorite, Tweedle Deedle Baby Pinky. That's the whole <laughs> name. <laughs> I thought that they would have like pet names like Rex or like Cluckers or something, but no, they have multi-word <laughs> names. Yes. They're... Can you can you give us that last one one more time, please? Tweedle Deedle Baby Pinky. It rolls off the tongue. It's very charming, I think. I am giving up young Jonathan. That is my new name. <laughs> you will be changing your business card at work to reflect this change. Excellent. Um, I need your support at this turbulent time. <laughs> so one of her favorite chickens was named Ada Quiti. And she wrote a poem for Ada upon her death. Ada's death, not obviously not Nancy's. Um, so I have a, a part of it for you. Quote, Poor little Ada Queedy. She used to do everything I told her, let it be what it would, and knew every word I said to her. If she was as far off across the room, and I made a sign to her with my fingers, she knew what it was and would spring quick and do it. If she was far off, I only spake her name. She would be sure to run to me at a dreadful swift rate without wanting anything to eat. I used to dream distressing dreams about what would come to pass and awoke making a dreadful noise. And poor little Ada Queedy was making a mournful noise. She was so worried for me. End quote. 
I didn't know chickens had empathy, Stephanie. That was beautiful. Isn't that a nice poem about her chicken? Yes. Yes. It is. So she was so devoted that whenever a chicken died, she would have a rather elaborate funeral for the chicken, including a casket for each one and a granite tombstone for each of the birds. How many knit socks did a granite tombstone run? I'm glad you asked, actually. Um, I found that the approximate price of a headstone of the size that she got in 1890 was about $50, which would cost you about $1,400 in today's money. So she apparently was a very, very good entrepreneur because she was very successful and was able to afford granite tombstones for each of her chickens. Unfortunately, most of them were stolen from the graveyard, um, but some of them are located in the Martha's Vineyard Town Library today. I know. People were very mean to Nancy. Why are they so mean to Nancy, other than she's the chicken lady of Massachusetts? I don't... That, to me, is quaint, but they considered her, kind of as you alluded to, to be insane. Oh. I know. Nancy. So, I mentioned before that she was a businesswoman, um, very entrepreneurial, um, because she was also a folk artist and um, was actually the first female entrepreneur of the island, right? We're talking about the 1800s. Women were not usually anything close to head of household, let alone a business owner. Um, So, she was pretty exceptional in that regard. And um, tourists would come to visit her homestead and her shop because word got around about her chickens and all of the sort of lore around it. So by 1873, hundreds of visitors would come to her homestead every single year on their vacations. It's just she was an attraction on on Martha's Vineyard worth visiting. She was. And if you think about that, people absolutely had to go. So although Martha's Vineyard is definitely a destination, um, I mean, at this time, think about the travel involved getting from the mainland to the island, because it's not like there's probably quite frequent ferry service that's quick and effective. So this was like a trip. People took trips to see her. I mean, I know that if she was still living, Get Lit would definitely be sending you a postcard from her Nancy's farm. Oh, I think I think I would be an intern there. <laughs> I think I would be interning at, at her chicken farm. Um, so she wrote again poetry just really specifically about her chickens. And um, she was also excellent at calligraphy and she would draw, you know, those sort of beautiful block letters that you see in like medieval manuscripts that have the little like pictures almost alongside them. Sure. So she would do those for the starts of some of the poetry. Um, and she also did her own paintings. But unfortunately, we don't have any of the paintings. They've been lost over time. No. I know. But we do still have many copies of her book. And um, I'll just say this. The Poetry Foundation um, did a little write-up about her. And uh, they analyzed. I think that the Poetry Foundation's website is really fantastic because a lot of it, although autobiographical, also provides some analysis onto the entire, typically entire body of work that a poet produces, um, which is really amazing because you can see the changes over time. But anyway, the people who wrote on the Poetry Foundation's write-up about this talked about how her more experimental poems included lists and fragmented grammar that predate 20th century modernists. So 
you can take that, modernists who don't think her poetry is worth much. She was ahead of her time. In many ways. She was, the chicken was her muse. Yes. The paper and pencil was her instrument, and she created magic right here in front of us. She did. So uh, she had many photographs of her chickens taken with her. So she she posed, and I'll post um, her graves, the chickens' graves. I'll post the farm. I'll post some of her photos online so you can all delight in seeing them, but feel free to look them up. Um, so she paid for professional portraits of her holding her chickens. Again, we're thinking 1800s. Photography isn't common. It's super expensive. And that's the times where people, because it took so long, wouldn't smile. So all of the photos of her are her not smiling, but holding various chickens. I just want to know how the chickens sit still long enough. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, anyway. So Nancy dies on April 9th, 1890. So she lived 75 years, and she never went to the mainland United States. She spent her entire life on Martha's Vineyard. Correct. So every year um, around April 9th, um, and also Halloween, randomly, I don't really, there wasn't really a clear answer to why Halloween was also a date, people go to her grave and they post chicken figurines there. So her grave is covered in chicken statues today. On Martha's Vineyard. Correct. No way. So we can go there. I'll post a picture of the grave. We need to we need to get our little chicken statues and go. Absolutely. So Martha's Vineyards Museum and Brown University have copies of her poetry and her papers and the books that she published. Um, but as of 2018, I came across the composer Thomas Lavoie, who is composing a choral work based on her work and her life. So I wanted. Please tell me it's all clucking. <laughs> I wanted to read the description of his project to you based on, on his website. So he writes, quote, I came upon the idea to compose a new choral work to act as a companion piece to Rejoice in the Lamb, a work based on the life and writings of Nancy Luce, one that will do justice both to her own experiences and those of Christopher Smart and Benjamin Britten, who he was influenced by earlier in his life. I feel that Nancy Luce's story, no matter how specific to the area surrounding Martha's Vineyard, deserves to be experienced by audiences the world over, end quote. And you obviously obviously agree, because here it is on Get a Little Lit, the inaugural episode. Yes. Thank you, Nancy. Absolutely. So, um, Nancy Luce, I hope that this um, small tidbit about your life is enough to excite people to learn more about uh, your poetry and your body of work, um, and maybe get to know chickens a little bit more than we give them credit for. I agree, Stephanie. I can't wait to read her chicken poetry. <laughs> yes. If anyone else would like to join us on Martha's Vineyard for an inevitable tour, um, please reach out and let us know. And maybe we can make an arrangement. Um, you know, there's like when you're in high school and people take those sort of school sponsored trips. We'll do a get mm -hmm. lit sponsored trip specifically to Martha's Vineyard for anyone who's interested in, in visiting the Madonna of the chickens. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this mini Get a Little Lit episode, um, and it was very fun to put together, and we look forward to bringing you more of these in the future. 
But in the meantime, thank you so much for your support of this podcast, our mini podcast, uh, and of course, for always keeping it lit. There's one.